0: So as Rebecca just said, I will be continuing this sort of summer series of Pointing to Jesus where we're looking at characters and people from the Bible um, before Jesus and how they point to him. It's a really good title, it's exactly what it says on the tin, right? Um, so we have, oh look it was working perfectly earlier, now, next one, okay lovely, so John, last week, spoke about John the Baptist, I'm going to be looking at Joshua, and then to come you have Isaiah, Rahab and Esther from three more people over the following week. So, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Peter Wood, I've been, I was born in the church, I've been here for a little over 30 years now. Um, my wife, Stacey, and my son, Jack, both come to the church, I make them, no, they choose to. Um, <laughs> Um, I've worked in a local primary school, lived in here all my life, worked in a local primary school for f- nearly 13 years now, St. James's Primary School, just around the corner, um, and so background, I guess, is, is primary school teaching, so good luck. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing now. Uh, okay, <laughs> so that's me, and we're going to be looking at Joshua. So I've got two kind of aims today, two things that I I always find it useful for you to know exactly kind of where we're heading and where we want to get to at the end. So I'm just going to tell you what they are now. So the first thing we want to do is we want to get a, a better understanding of how reading Joshua points to Jesus, okay? How the Old Testament in general points to Jesus. But today the focus is Joshua, okay? And to really get that sense that Jesus is the cornerstone. Everything before, when we start in Genesis, everything leading up to it is just pointing to Jesus. There is one coming, okay? And that everything after points back to him and says, look, it's him. It starts with him. Um, and so he really is the cornerstone. So that's the first thing. So I'm going to unpick a couple of different ways um, in how we can see that Joshua is the cornerstone. Oh, no, not that one. And then the second one is to know that Jesus doesn't just save us. He calls us into something. When we look at Joshua, and we'll, we'll look at this in a second, we'll look at the context of where Joshua is in the Bible, and we'll look at, actually, what God does with Joshua, is he takes the Israelites, the people of God, and he moves them into something. He moves them into the Promised Land. And when we see how Joshua relates to Jesus, we see how Jesus doesn't just save us, he calls us into something. Okay? And there's something of God's purposes and plans throughout the whole of the Bible, that still resonate with you as an individual. It's quite amazing, actually, um, such is his planning. So I'm just going to pray for us, um, and then we'll get into it. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you that we will get to be together here. I just pray, Lord, that you would just continue to speak to us as a church individually. I pray that uh, where we've possibly heard stories before, that you'll bring a fresh revelation I pray where we haven't heard things before, that there'll be clarity. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just speak to us individually, that we will leave here changed, that we will leave moved into something new. As we look at how Joshua, you used Joshua to lead the Israelites into the promised land, into something new, something that was good, something that was fruitful and full of freedom. We pray that we would see something of how you have that for us and how you want that for us. Amen. Okay. John told me I had 20 minutes when we started prepping this. John, we got ages. We've got like an hour at least, probably. So, this image you're going to see a lot today. I want this kind of image to resonate with to what we're talking about today in the message. Um, a house. What I want you to do now, don't just, this is just for you to think about now. I want to ask you the question, what's your favourite place in, the ha- in your house? Your favorite room maybe it's an outside space maybe it's an inside space but what is your favorite room maybe for some of you it's the kitchen you love cooking maybe for some of you you love the outside it's the garden um, so just have a little think to yourself we are going to come back to this i'm not going to ask you for answers now um this isn't for you to discuss with the people next to you rebecca but just for now <laughs> school teacher right <laughs> sorry that will come back to bite me one day because i do it all the time <laughs> Um, but but yeah what's your favourite place now just have a think about it some people get it like that if you get it like that you can maybe look at this picture and hope to own a house like that one day Um, but if you haven't I'll give you just a few more seconds to think about what your favourite space is in the house for for those that are listening to the recording this in a few days I'm showing a picture of a house you might want to just go outside and look at your own house I don't know something like that Um, okay so image of a house it's going to come back we're going to come back to it soon but I'm very lucky in that on the day I get to do a preach, we have two visitors who are members, very, very precious members of City of Church, and I get to ask one of them to come and read the Bible reading. So if Lexis amedi wants to come, we can give her a big round of applause. We're going to be reading from Joshua 1, verses 1 to 9, the very beginning of Joshua um, and we're reading from the New Living Translation. It's up on the screen, and I'll move it along. But if you want to follow it, you can, or you can just do it in your Bible, up to you.
1: Okay, so it's Joshua 1, verses 1 to 9. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses, I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go.
0: Amen. Rebecca. Oh, <laughs> Amen. Round of applause for Lex. <laughs> okay, so that comes at the very beginning of Joshua. Um, and it's the the first verses in the book and it's God is speaking to him and actually what he's saying to him is is, we're moving on now there's something coming for you something that was lost before so a little bit of context to this this timeline I'm not sure how well you can see it so I'll do a little bit I think this has a point on it look at that amazing you'll see how much my hand is shaking so this green section here okay is the the, the beginning of the (laughs) the green bit is the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, okay? The books of law. So the Jews, the, the ancient Hebrews, there is their law books, the Torah, okay? In there, Genesis, Exodus, they're in there, and what we see is God's the story of God saving his people. You have the creation of the earth, but then God saves the Israelites. He brings them out of slavery from the Egyptians, okay? And then they're wandering in a wilderness. A few things don't go, quite go as planned, and they're just left wandering, um, The term wandering makes it sound like it wasn't very long, it was 40 years, and I've I've never wandered anywhere for 40 years, Um, so they must have been getting it quite wrong. So, 40 years of wandering, and where that is, is it's just here, and where we come in is this line, the line that takes us from the green to the purple is kind of bang where Joshua comes. Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible, okay, it comes straight after the Torah, The books of law. That's important for us, because we understand it often um, in our sort of culture, and our society, we understand it to be um, kind of like history books. Okay, there's stories in there, and there's history in there. Okay, but actually, to the ancient Hebrews, it was quite different. It was part of the the books of prophets. Joshua was kind of considered as, as a former prophet, and that kind of changes the way that we read it sometimes. So actually, it's not just history. But what we're reading is something that is historical. I'm not saying it isn't, but it is also something, there's something prophetical in it. There's something of, there's something to come, though, still. Okay? So when we read stories in Joshua, and also Ruth, and Judges, and things like that, actually they're speaking of something that's coming. When we read the things that happen there, there is something that's coming. Okay? And, that, and that's... That changes the way that we kind of read it or can approach it sometimes. And I want us to bear that in mind today. Um, yeah, so two things. Joshua comes straight after Moses. Moses dies, okay, and God says, it's Joshua. I want Joshua to lead. Um, and the second thing is, is a book. He's considered a former prophet. Okay, so there's that element of prophecy to the things that happen in Joshua. Okay, they're quite important. Just so you know, Joshua was an assistant to Moses before. Um, he, did, he was sent out by Moses several times. Not everything went perfectly for him. Um, and as we just start to look at Joshua and some of the things he did and how he points to Jesus, it's worth bearing in mind he was the guy who came after Moses. Um, there's some big shoes to fill, Moses being the guy that led the Israelites out of Egypt out of slavery, the plagues and Pharaoh, and you know most of us will be familiar with that story. Moses leads them out of that, and it's Joshua who comes in next. Um, you only have to look at people who have tried to manage Manchester United after Sir Alex Ferguson that it's not the easiest thing to do sometimes. But in Joshua, the background—I'm not going to go into all of Joshua today—but if you go away and read Joshua, Joshua was a general; he was a leader of the army. It was success after success after success after success. And he obeyed God. He listened to him and he followed him. And actually, Israel moved into this promised land. He followed God's plan. And so it wasn't a, a failed leadership coming after the great Moses. It was actually someone else who the Israelites themselves said, this is Joshua. They held him in the same regard almost by the end. So a little bit of background for this. So, how does this point to, to Jesus? So, we're going to start to look at just a couple of things. They're not my main point, but just interesting things, or really not interesting, depending on the way you're inclined. But Joshua and Jesus have the same names. Um, Yeshua. I'm going to pronounce that correctly, probably. Um, it means God saves. If you, Jesus' name in Hebrew means the same as Joshua's does in Hebrew. Okay, so they had the same name. So, there's a direct link, okay? Straight away, we see from Joshua, okay, there's something pointing to there's a correlation there. Okay. This is such a big one for me. I think when we look at the life of Joshua and we see and we bear in mind that he's a former prophet, the things that happen are prophetical, and we see the victories that Joshua had, there is just something you can't escape that there is something of Jesus and the victories he had that we read later in the Bible. Okay, a long time later in the Bible. Jericho I've put in there in brackets, for those that aren't familiar, Jericho was a formidable city. And God called them to take it down. And so the Israelites went through the River Jordan. It, it parted for them. And they went through it on dry ground. And, and what you'll note as you read it is that Joshua just obeys God's instructions to the letter. Like literally to the point where he says, none of you speak until we tell you to speak. Because that's what God said. And so he, he follows God to the letter. his obedience, there's something in Joshua's obedience that relates to the obedience of Jesus we see and his obedience to God the Father as well. Um, so Jericho, they come. It's formidable. Actually, archaeologists in the 1930s found, uh, found elements of Jericho, and at times they found the, it had two walls to it before you could get into it, and sometimes those walls were two to four metres apart in, in width. So not an easy sort of fortress. Angel of the Lord says, right, this is the plan. We've got an army. Don't really need them. You're going to march around it seven times, seven days, on the blowing horns, seven horns with seven priests, number seven is important, we're not going into that today. Um, and they go round it and round it, and, and on the last day, on the seventh day, when they go round it seven times, they are all told to shout, and the walls fall down. And they just completely fall. Not a, a weapon is fired. Once the walls fall down, then there's some pretty graphic murdering. but um, but, <laughs> but at that moment, then... It's just God doing it. And he was obedient to God's word and there was victory. And when we look at Jesus, actually Jesus brings the ultimate walls down. And you look at Jericho and just how its walls fall, walls in our lives. Pete was talking earlier about circumstances and the things and God just can bring walls down. But he does it when he's ready. He does it in his timing. And there's something of that. But we see Jesus victories over demons, victories over illness. And we read how Jesus just went around and commanded authority and brought all these wonderful victories but the ultimate victory was on the cross the ultimate victory was how he saves us just like Israel was saved from the Egyptians Jesus saves us Okay, and it's only through him that we can be saved but that fortress, the devil's fortress the walls have fallen Right? when he died on the cross and he rose again those, those walls have fallen and so we can see how Joshua points to Jesus are you with me so far? Yes. lovely so this is the point we're going to focus on now. That they, and it's a slightly more abstract. Probably when you'll hear about Isaiah, you'll see how Isaiah had these prophecies that directly linked to Jesus. I've just given you a couple of things that kind of directly link to Jesus. But the thing I want to focus on is a little bit more abstract. Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land. And the point I want to make to us today is that when we are saved by Jesus, it does not stop there. Okay? He has a promised land for us to move into. So, let's look at the house. <laughs> so, you can put your hand up if you want to, if you don't want to answer me, that's absolutely fine. How many of you said the kitchen is your favourite room in the house? Not enough cooks in the church. <laughs> Hands up, who said the living room? More for the living room where the TV is. <laughs> yeah, or if you read. How um, about an outside space, garden or balcony, something? of that Okay. And you don't have to answer me, but how many of you said the hallway or the corridor? Have a look around. <laughs> no one. Okay, good. That makes my point really relevant. Excellent. So, God welcomes us into his house. When we're saved, we come into his house. When we come into the corridor. We come into the hallway. But there's a room. There's rooms, there's bedrooms, there's kitchens, there's outside spaces. When we purely rest alone on our salvation, we miss all these rooms he's got for us. This kind of idea that he's got things to move us into. He's got a promised land to move us into. Let's relate that now to a house and these rooms. Okay, so actually there's a house to explore. There's rooms to explore. He has a promised land for us. Now, people could talk about the promised land being heaven and things like that, but there's a sense in which he's got things for us now. Okay, that we've been saved to do something okay? that we've not been saved to reflect back on our salvation all the time and constantly be reflecting on that without moving forward he wants to move us forward he wanted to move the Israelites forward they made it trickier as we sometimes make things trickier and I definitely make things trickier but he, the, the point remains he wants to move us forward so we're going to look at this. the rooms they could be ad- purposes for us plans for us maybe gifts he's given us that he wants us to use All these things kind of relate to this idea that he's got rooms, he's got things he wants us to grow into and move into and explore and develop and grow in. So, I've said it already and I just want to go over it again. The first five books are all about this sense of forgiveness and salvation. okay? God's people being saved and brought out of slavery. Then we get Joshua and we see that God's desire to just keep on giving and this sense of, I want to do good to you. I want to bring fruit. I want to bring freedom and joy and peace and all those good things that we hear about. That is God's desire for us, and we see it in Joshua. We read Joshua, we see it. We see them being brought into something, we see them being victorious. Joshua's new leadership kind of brings that change. Moses passed, and Joshua came. And so Joshua kind of represents that. So I guess the question for us is what are we being moved into? Okay, Pete, you've told me that there's these rooms. Great, I come into a house and, okay, I don't want to just stay in the corridor. I don't want to just stay in the hallway. I want to move into the rooms, but how do I do that? We're going to look at that in a second. But I really like this quote from Phil Moore. He says, Forgiveness is the hallway through which we enter the palace of God's salvation. It's glorious and there's no denying that. We've been singing about it this morning. It's right we reflect on it. It's right we remember it and we celebrate the fact we are saved. That is good. That is good. But it's a means to a far more glorious end. I'll just say it again. It's a means to a far more glorious end. It just doesn't stop there. Okay? So, there we so how does this point to Jesus in this sense? Well, when you look at Joshua, Joshua was a conqueror. He led the Israelite army. And he's, if you get the idea that Joshua is this former prophet, then we get the idea that he's leading, but there's someone better who's coming. He led the Israelites, but there's someone who's coming who's going to lead everyone. Not just the Israelites, but Jew, Gentile, wherever you're from, whatever your circumstances, there is one coming who can save you and bring you into something. Okay, And so when we see Joshua, we see this, this promise of a better land. And so we're going to kind of look at Jesus now a little bit because I said there's these rooms, there's this house Well, how do we go and explore these rooms in the house? How do we go and grab hold of the things God's got for us? Well, actually, for us, we read Joshua and we see how it reflects to Jesus. So let's look at Jesus. Okay, Jesus is the one who saves us. Jesus is the one who has plans for us, who has purposes for us. So what does Jesus say? Well, Jesus says, follow me. We're called to follow him. It's it's a verb, teacher time again. (laughs) Not the most complicated teaching I've ever done, I hope. But it's a verb, right? It's, it's, it's an action, it's a doing word. You've got to do something. To follow someone requires us to do something, okay? We've got to step in something. David Paulson, who many of you have probably heard of David Paulson, he says Christians are not just saved from something, they are saved to something. Again, just reiterating that point, it doesn't just stop with salvation. There's a plan after, and the plan... Adam and Cole. (laughs) You're welcome. There's a a plan afterwards, okay, to go into something. So you're called to be a part of a family. You heard it. Rebecca said it earlier today. It was really good to hear her say that. We're called into a family of churches. We're called into a family here. We're called into to be heirs and sons and daughters, okay? But Jesus calls us into something. We're taken from it. Great, amazing, brilliant. But we're brought into it. The Israelites were taken from slavery. They were taken from it. Then with Joshua, they were brought into something that was even better and and bore fruit. So what does Jesus say? He says, follow him. So I just want to give a couple of examples to help make this practical. How do I follow Jesus? What do I do? Okay. Well, he says it a lot. In John... 10 verse 27 and it goes on a little bit onto 30 but he says my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow me and then he goes on to talk about how he looks after them Matthew 4 verse 19 Jesus called out to them come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people is when he called some of the disciples okay Luke 6 verse 47 I will show you what it is like when someone comes to me listens to my teaching and then follows it. So several times we hear Jesus just say follow me. And in two of those examples I gave you the first thing he says is listen and then follow. So I thought I'd give a little bit of an example into the importance of following and how it's useful to follow it and what can hinder us from following as well. So can I have Zara and Kath King up? Big round of applause for Zara and Kath King as well. Okay, so really simple. So Kath's going to walk around, and Zara's going to follow her. If you want to just do a lap of the church, it's going to be great. Brilliant. That was perfect. That's exactly how I imagined it. Right, Zara, would you put... Oh, no, Kath, would you put that around Zara now? I've checked the insurance, we're fine. We're not fine. So, I'm going to ask them to do the same thing. This time, obviously, Zara won't be able to see. And Zara, I'm just going to ask you to kind of cover your, your ears. As well so you don't even have your hands to help you. I mean, what nightmare. If a couple of us catch her if she goes, that'd be great. Okay, same thing. You might want to go a little bit slower. But if you just follow Kath, that would be great Zara. She's actually doing very very well. She's cheating We go. It's the exciting bit now. Okay, and we'll stop there. Give them both a round of applause. You. You. Lovely. You can keep the tie to the end of the service. <laughs> okay, a little bit of an obvious point, but actually, Jesus tells us to follow him. It's really hard to follow someone when you're not looking and listening to them. The point of the illustration is that you must be looking you must be listening in order to follow someone so if we want to move into new rooms if we want to move into new things that God has for us and into the promises he has for us and the fruit he has for us actually we're called to follow him so what do we need to do? we need to look and we need to listen to him and that's what Jesus says that's what he says he says to them he says listen to my voice Uh, so he says my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow me And he says, I will show you what it is like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. Okay, so it's that idea that we're we're looking. And where do we find out about Jesus? Within the Bible. Okay, so these instructions, this is verse 7, 8, and 9 again of Joshua 1. But actually, they're really relevant to us too. Okay, we see that it's important to look and listen in order to follow Jesus. But where do we find this success that's mentioned in here? Well, we find it by obeying him and follow his instructions here it's a study this book of instruction carefully we've got to be reading the bible from my own personal experiences and as Pete explained life can be pretty up and down life can at times be pretty uneven and you feel like you're sinking and even people you can't fully rely on people we're all prone to mistakes right? We all, no one here is perfect and so we need to look at Jesus we need to look at what he says because the Bible will hold firm that when your circumstances shift and change and when everything feels like it's upside down the Bible is still there I've never ever been in a situation where the Bible now has different words the words are staying the same our context, our situation can change dramatically for better or for worse but the Bible stays the same and the promises of God stay the same Joshua, regardless of circumstances was used to bring the Israelites into the promised land. It happened. God made it happen because he wants it to happen for us. And the Israelites got caught up in all their things going on. And it delayed things. But God says, I want, I've got plans. I've got purposes. I'm calling you into something. So yeah, I know. I know that you've been a Christian for years and years and years. I've got plans and purposes. Or I don't feel strong enough. I don't know how to do that. That's not really me. God says, I've got plans and purposes for you, individually. As a church, but individually as well. And so we need to be reading our Bible. We need to be seeing what Jesus did, what Jesus says. And then we need to be following it. It says, meditate on it day and night. Just another example from personal experience, a daily prayer of mine. Holy Spirit, what are you moving me into today? What have you got for me today? I want something today. Very rarely does it happen in one big moment at a church meeting that actually God just chips away at us day by day. And we just, that daily prayer, God, what are you moving me into today? What am I stepping into? What's the step today? What's the step? And after a year, you look, you've gone a long way. And I think God calls us to something of that. There's that daily meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. We've got to be meditating on his word. We've got to be seeing what Jesus is saying, what he's doing, and we've got to follow him into it. And then we've got these rooms to go and explore. Examples of people, look at Peter. The Apostle Peter just denied Jesus. And then just a few chapters later, we read in Acts how he's just preaching the gospel. He's standing in front of people who just don't want him around. And he's just so bold and proclaiming. God turns someone or something of nothing into into leaders, into servers, into those that can care. You know, you looking around this room... All of us, we're called into different things. But actually, God has plans and purposes for us. And we want to step into them. Amen? Amen. So, we're going to pray soon. We're going to spend just a little bit of time praying. Before we do, I just want to touch on these verses. I want to encourage us. You've heard a lot and we've got this idea that there's this house and we move into something. But this is from 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 and 7 and it's Paul writing to Timothy. So Paul as in the Apostle Paul writing in the New Testament after Jesus now. And he says to him, he says, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power, love and self-discipline when we move into the different rooms, when we move into the things God has for us, whatever they may be, and chances are they're going to be things you're already involved in somehow. Whether it's at work, whether it's in your everyday life, those things will happen. But the background on Timothy I love. In Corinthians, we hear Paul say to the Corinthians, don't intimidate Timothy, don't scare him. So we've kind of got this timid character, a character who wasn't particularly like, he wasn't your natural kind of walk into a room and everyone kind of went, wow, Timothy's there, let's go and talk to him. You know, don't scare Timothy. That's what Paul says to the Corinthians. Don't scare him. But Paul sends him as kind of, as um, as his representative. And so if you're sitting there thinking, I can't move into the things God's called me to, well, chances are Timothy probably didn't feel like he could move into the things God called him to. God called him to it still or and just think how Timothy felt being the understudy to Paul this is Paul right you know like you imagine we've got Paul visiting this morning oh great Hope. Oh, we couldn't make it Timothy's coming instead great <laughs> brilliant you know a little bit of a <sighs> like when you go to a matinee and it's kind of like you've got the understudies but really you wanted to see the stars you know I wonder if Timothy lived with that he knew who Paul was. <laughs> Paul right you know I'm stepping in for Paul oh, okay fine you know, he was young. Well, 40. Young. So I'm like really young. That's what we've learnt today. Um, <laughs> but he, he would have felt fairly um, ill-equipped that he couldn't have been up to this task. Um, those sort of things would have happened. His temperament, he was a timid character. And we see that in the Bible all the time. God says to Moses, go and do this. No, I can't speak. Jeremiah, go and do this. I'm too young. Gideon, go and do this. I can't do that. So... God hasn't, he's heard it before, right? And he's overcome it before. So when we come to God and go, God, I can't do that. I can't move into that thing. I know they all said that. (laughs) Read the Bible. They all said that, most of them. And they still were brought into, into things because they listened and they followed and they obeyed him. And that is what Jesus calls us to just wants us. We don't have to have all the answers. In a minute when we pray, you're not going to probably get all the answers and no, okay, I'm going into this room and if because it's this I've been called to and do this. But actually what we want to do is get a sense of actually I'm submitting myself. I've been saved. It's wonderful. It's great. But I want to go and explore the rooms. What have you got for me? What have you got for me, God? I and mean, we need to just hear it and move into it. Paul says about Timothy, I have no one like him. I have no one like him, is what Paul says about him. And so our own insecurities our own fears and and, and our own age and things like that you know if you've been a Christian 80 years this is relevant to you still if you've been a Christian for just a year this is relevant to you still if you're not Christian yet this is relevant to you because Jesus wants to welcome you into the house and so whatever walk we're in this is relevant to us because our circumstances we've heard earlier from Pete they change so God still has things to teach us he still has things to move us into Joshua was 80 when he came to lead the Israelites he was 80 years old so the challenge for us is what we're we moving into. So we've got a little over five minutes and I'm going to ask Paul to come up and play. But we're just going to spend a little bit of time reflecting on this. So there's a few different responses we can have. For some of us it might be that actually, do you know what, I'm not a Christian. I'm hearing you talk about Jesus and things like this. and I, This hasn't been a, a gospel preach by any stretch of the imagination. But if there are people that you know, people you are close to, and things are just starting to turn a little bit and you're thinking, I, I kind of get it, it sounds good, I want to move into something. I want to move into goodness and, and fruit and the things that, that God has for me but you're not sure how, then find someone that you know, come and find one of the leads at the church or Rebecca here or myself or come and talk to someone if you are a Christian and you actually think, actually do you know what I feel like a bit of a hallway Christian right now I feel like I just, haven't moved into anything, or maybe I've moved into rooms and I've kind of gone back to the hallway because it was just a little bit comfier but actually the house is wonderful The rooms are glorious, they're magnificent, right? And it's, he wants to move us into them. So we can respond in that way. Maybe that we've gone to rooms and actually you're just hungry, right? Like what other rooms? Oh, more rooms. Yeah, I love these six rooms, but this is a mansion, right? Or a castle, I want to move into bigger rooms. I want to move into other rooms, so maybe that's our response. God, what are you bringing me into? What's the promise now? What's the promises you have for me? What are the gifts you've given me that I want to grow in? And then the last one is to maybe develop that daily prayer. When we heard, meditate on it day and night, to develop that sense of, I'm just, what have you got for me today? The next day, what have you got for me today? Actually, this circumstance, I could respond in this way, but God, you're calling me to respond in a different way. And just see how God just chips away and changes us. But he moves us into something new. So in terms of practicalities of this, I'm just going to ask Paul to play. We've got five minutes or so. If you want to just reflect on your own, great, fine. If you want to let this pass you by, that's absolutely fine. If you want to find someone and talk to them, absolutely fine. If you want to pray on your own, fine. If you want to get up, move around, go and find someone, pray with someone, do it. Okay? I'm just going to pray for us now, and then we're going to just move into this. Lord God, I thank you that you have promises for us. I thank you that you have things for each individual here that you want to move us into. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and we, you've saved us, that you bring salvation, that salvation can only be found in you, but then once it's found in you, that there is so much more to come, that you have plans and purposes for us. I pray, Lord, that you would just do a work in us now, that we go away, we go home changed, moving into something new, that we see these houses and we just think, actually, what rooms am I moving into? What good things have you got for me, Lord God? I pray that you would just come and speak to us now, and you would come and move us now. Amen.